There was a young man who came to church for the first time and started uh, responding well to the good news of the gospel. He came from a troubled background and, and he asked, can I borrow your guitar? I said, yes, of course you can borrow my guitar. It was my first guitar. My dad bought it in Paracho, Mexico. That was the last time I saw my guitar. Later I learned, a few uh, weeks later, that he had sold it for drugs. I wonder if you have ever been wronged by others around you. I wonder perhaps if someone has stolen something from you, or maybe someone within the congregation or the church has, has hurt you or afflicted you, has been trouble within, within the congregation. How, how did that make you feel? What should our response be as believers towards those who harm us? That is what I would like us to answer this morning from God's Word. And I'd like to draw your attention to God's Word, to, 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 to the letter from, of Paul to Philemon. If you can open your Bibles to Philemon, we will read through the whole letter. It's just one chapter, 25 verses. And Philemon answers indeed that question. Philemon is before Hebrews and he's after all the T's. So if you find uh, Thessalonians, Timothy or Titus, I don't know the page. If someone could shout the page number, that would be great. 1,000. 1, Philemon. passage we'll be looking at today and Philemon tells us or shows us how lives are changed by the gospel but also the letter to Philemon shows us how relationships are shaped by the gospel and as we will look at this passage of scripture I would like us to pay close attention to this teaching his name was Onesimus. That's the thief. The runaway thief. Not the thief of my guitar. But the thief in this letter. Onesimus was a, 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 a slave who had taken some goods from his master and had run away. He'd done a runner. He went to the place where all the runaway slaves would go. This was Rome, the big city. And there he is living the life. Spending the money, squandering that which he had stolen from his master, sightseeing, perhaps enjoying, maybe events at the Colosseum, getting to know people, maybe girls, squandering, doing what he pleases, doing what he likes. But it so just happened that as Onesimus ran away, he came across another man who was under house arrest. We do not know the details on how he came to know the man who was under house arrest, but perhaps he was looking for a side job. Maybe he wanted to know a little bit more about philosophy, and he heard that this man was a man who was in deep into thinking and understanding, and he didn't know, but the man whom he came to know under house arrest was none other but the Apostle Paul. 
And Paul was just like Daniel Shue. Have you met Pastor Daniel Shue? Eager to share the gospel. And he couldn't wait any longer. And he shared the good news of the gospel to Onesimus. And Onesimus was changed. He was transformed by the power of the gospel. You see, God works in remarkable ways. This was a runaway slave who hears the gospel and becomes a Christian. And I say it was remarkable because no one comes to the Lord unless the Lord causes the heart to change. Whether you have been brought up in church life or whether you have never heard of the name of Jesus Christ, those who turn from the sin to Christ is the miracle of God in the life of a person. And there he was. Once a runaway slave, now transformed by the good news of the gospel. And as he experiences the powerful transformation of God in the gospel, he's now a changed man. He now wants to serve none other but Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Bible says he who puts the hands in the plow and keeps looking back is not worthy of the kingdom. And he knows this. He can, he can see the beauty, the treasure that is found in Christ Jesus and he leaves everything, he leaves all for Christ and for the cause of the gospel. And because Paul is in chains and he's there for the gospel's sake, Onesimus becomes his servant. And he becomes very useful to Paul while in chains, maybe running errands, buying papyrus or ink, maybe delivering notes here. And they're bringing maybe food and sharing with what he can with Paul. Once a runaway slave, now a man who has been transformed by the power of the gospel and has the kingdom, the gospel, the furtherance of the gospel as the priority in his mind. But one day, something happens. We don't know exactly the details of how or when these came to light, but something had to come, up, come out to light. Maybe Onesimus was, was quite overwhelmed, maybe sitting there thinking, maybe all pensive there, quite burdened to the point that he could help it no longer. If he goes and tells Paul, we don't know how it happened, but it could have been something like this. Paul, I have to say something to you. Yeah, what is it? Remember I told you I come from Colossae? Oh yes, Colossae. I told you of my friend Philemon who is in, he's, he's from Colossae. As I was preaching the gospel, I came across this man and I shared with him and, and he's a wealthy Christian and, and he's now gone back to Colossae. He's got a church in his own house. Because by the way, there were no church buildings back in the day. People had to worship in their homes. And honestly... That's actually the problem. I, I know Philemon. You know Philemon? Well, I never. How come she didn't share this with me? Well, that's actually the problem, Paul. Philemon's my master. I stole from Philemon and I run away. And he opens up. We certainly don't really know how this detail came to light. 
But unknown to Paul, to Philemon, and Onesimus, God was accomplishing his purposes through them. So Paul now writes to Philemon why he needed to put things straight. He needed to address the fallout. And in the absence of FaceTime or WhatsApp, certainly Paul didn't have access to all this technology. He, he, he had not upgraded his phone. He still had one of those bricks. He, in the absence of email and Telegram, and I don't mean the app, I mean the Telegram back in the day, he resorted to write what maybe none of you are familiarised, a, a letter. If you don't know what a letter is, just ask your parents, they'll be able to explain what a letter is. And so he writes a letter. And in the absence of Royal Mail, he relied, they relied at that time with, on people. And guess who Paul sends to deliver that very letter to Philemon? Onesimus. The runaway slave. And he sends also Tychicus and a couple of other letters, among which was the, for the letter to the Colossians, which met in their house. Now, can you imagine the face of Philemon? Onesimus? And I can just imagine the, 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 the commotion back in the house, people just making noise, and the wife coming to the door and then the son coming to the door and there he is and Onesimus no, no, please before you do anything please read this letter what? holding his fire there opens the letter or the papyrus and he sees it Philemon verse 1 Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother. What? A letter from Paul? How do you know Paul? In prison? To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister. And Philemon turns and sees his wife. And the and Archippus, a fellow soldier, and she tur he turns and then looks at his son, who, by the way, was one of the leaders in the church in Colossae. And the church in your house. Now, I don't know, but it's possible that their church would have been meeting there at that very moment. I don't know, but I do know that this letter would have been read to them. Why? Because though it's a personal letter to address a personal issue, Paul is writing so that his own family would have read the letter and the church family would have read the letter. And guess what? We are now this morning having an insight into the, 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 the letter that was, was going to change the, 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 the relationship between these two people. And then Paul opens in such a marvelous and, and wonderful way, in, in such a winsome and, and, and beautiful way, this letter by beginning thanking God for we, what he has done to, to Philemon. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 4. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers. Verse 5. Because I hear of two things. 
your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and the love and the faith that you have towards all the saints. Now that one verse is for an entire sermon, but don't worry, I'm not going to preach two sermons this morning. Verse 6, and I pray that the sharing of your faith, pay attention to that, that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us and for the sake of Christ. That is another sermon in itself. But I won't be preaching three sermons. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Pay attention to the word refreshed. We'll come back to that in just a moment more. While Onesimus and Tychicus are there standing and Philemon is holding this letter and the family and everyone else listening in the background, he, he, he begins this plea to the runaway slave. Verse 8. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. And here comes verse 10. This is the heart of the letter. This is the plea that Paul is bringing to Philemon for Onesimus. Verse 10. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Now before we consider the plea, like you to pay attention to a detail about this man but what is being said about this man and who is the one who is speaking about this man how is Onesimus addressed here in verse 10 anyone my child and what is so remarkable about that statement is who is the one who is saying it Paul, a Jew, a former Pharisee, a man who would call Gentiles dogs, let alone a runaway slave. Gentiles, by the way, were those who were not Jews. And here is Paul saying, my child. But he calls him my child. He wants Philemon to know that Onesimus has come to know the good news of the gospel. And it is through the preaching that Onesimus has believed in the Savior. And in that sense, Paul is the spiritual father of Onesimus who has now come to faith. Onesimus was born again by God's Spirit through the proclamation of the gospel. What Paul's saying here is Onesimus has been powerfully changed by the gospel of salvation. The gospel changes lives. Once he had no hope beyond this world, and now he has a living hope. Praise the Lord. I wonder if you have been changed by the power of the gospel. 
Gospel means good news. It's a message. Pay attention to this. It is a message. It is the good news that tells us that God made man. Every single one of us here have been made by God in Adam and Eve. But man rebelled against God, raising one's feast against God. And yet God in His mercy promised the Savior. And not only promised, became the Savior for us. And took a life and lived a perfect life that none of us can live and die on the cross. Being buried for three days and rose again from the dead, defeating death. That good news demands a response. And that response that is required is not apathy. The response that is required is not indifference. The response that is required is repentance. Turn away from one sin like Onesimus. Turn to Jesus Christ like Onesimus. But for that we need to recognize we are sinners in the first place. Once I was in Snodland Market sharing the gospel. We go every week with at a table with literature, literature, Christian literature, and stop people and try to engage with them and tell them the good news of the gospel. <laughs> this particular day, there was this lady who turned up and we were talking and, and sharing. I had never met such a perfect person in my life. Now that is tongue in cheek. She was such a good person. Never ever sinned. She, she was perfect. And as I was having a conversation, I wanted her to see that, no, there's no one good. So I took the law of God like a mirror and shone it on her so that she could see wars and all. Her need, her need. <laughs> and one of the market traders, he was listening, he was on the opposite side of the, of the uh, pathway. And, and he was eavesdropping. I could see him in the corner of my eye. And he, was, he had a, the corner of, we were in the corner of his eye. And, and he was like working here and doing, but listening with much attention. So I said to the lady, have you ever told a lie in your life? She said, never. And the market trader, ha, 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 you just lied, he said to her. Isn't it wonderful when a, an unbeliever heckles another unbeliever? <laughs> the Bible tells us there's not one person that does good, not even one. We have all sinned and we have all fallen from the glory of God. There is nothing, nothing, nothing in us that pleases God. For we have sinned, lying, stealing, cheating, dishonoring of our parents, gossip. Jealousy, rivalries, enemy, enmities, hatred. The Bible reminds us that we will all stand before God even to give an account of an idle word that comes out from our mouth. We have sinned against God and there is not one that does good, not even one. Left to our own, we are hopeless. Left to our own, we are helpless. But God, who is rich in mercy, with the great love in which he has loved us, even while we were dead in our trespasses and sins, provided a Savior. Isn't that wonderful, my brothers and sisters? Praise God. I only hear one of men. Praise God. Amen. Yes, praise God. 
Praise the Lord. Merciful Lord. Merciful Lord. The good news of the gospel changes lives, gives hope to the helpless, life, eternal life to the one who is spiritually dead, joy unspeakable to the one who is troubled in his sin. There is now no more condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. And that's Onesimus. He once was dead in his sin. And is now saved. He once was dead, but he's alive. Amazing grace. Onesimus now is a changed man. But Onesimus' change was not just theoretical. It was not just an abstract truth that he would have reasoned over a cup of tea or coffee. No, he was a, a truly changed man. His life bore the witness of his change. Look at verse 11, where we left. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. That is a play of words that we cannot see in the English. But, but, but in the Greek, the, Onesimus means useful. So what Paul is saying here is that once he was not Onesimus to you, but now he is Onesimus to both of us. Now he is useful to both of us. But there is something else. Indeed, Onesimus was useful to Paul, but Onesimus was loved by Paul. Paul, verse 12, I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. Now the next sentence gives us an insight into God's working, what we would call God's providence. God's providence is the way that God works through history and through events that are out of our control, but God puts things right together. God's providence is God's perfect, wise and powerful preserving of every creature and every action. Verse 15. For this perhaps is why he has parted from you for a while, that you might have him back. Forever, no longer as a bond servant or slave, but more than a bond servant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, Paul adds, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. In other words, Paul is attributing this change to the power of God that brought them there together. Onesimus thinks he's running away, but God reaches with the cords of his love. Philemon is there not knowing what's going on in the background, but God was preparing to teach him a lesson of love and forgiveness. You, you know, it's because God wants Philemon to be the person God wants him to be. God will not let, leave him where he was because he who began the good work will bring it to completion. And so God is bringing all these events together for his glory. And in the process, God receives the glory. Paul, Philemon, and Onesimus 
become living examples of the powerful transformation of the glory, of the gospel for the glory of God. I wonder if you have ever fallen out from anyone within the congregation here in Bexley Heath, or maybe from a different place. I wonder if you've had just out of the blue events, things that you didn't really hope to happen and suddenly there were you, you were placed with the very person that you didn't really want to see ever and, and it so just happened that God has placed things in such a way. Maybe bringing things that you thought were water under the bridge and resurrecting them. God, God is expert in doing things like this. Keep your prayerful ears and keep your prayerful eyes open. God's in control, even when things are out of our control. So the plea. Paul asks Philemon to receive Onesimus back, not merely as a slave, but as a brother. From the text, I am not sure Paul is seeking his full freedom as a bond servant. But what's certain is that Paul is seeking for them a new relationship. A new relationship defined the odds of the cultural norms of the day. A relationship that is based on love. And to show the extent by which the gospel changes relationships and the cultural norms, Paul, an ex-Pharisee, a Gentile or dog hater, adds, verse 17. <clears throat> so... If you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that on my account. Verse 19, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. In other words, this is my signature. I, I, I'm vouching for the fact that I will pay back what this man has stolen. Then he adds to say nothing of your owing me, even your own self. By Paul saying, I'll pay his debt. Paul's giving us a picture of the gospel. Paul's doing to Onesimus what Jesus Christ has done for us. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And to add further strength to his appeal. Look back to verse 17. If you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. Partner is the word a cousin word for koinonia or partnership, communion. If, if you consider me your partner in the gospel, your fellow Christian believer, sharer, receive him as you would receive me. You see, Roman law gave masters power to brand the runaway slaves, to mark them physically. For the rest of their lives. Roman law gave them the power to enslave them. And to add extra pressure on their work. Until they would work to death. But Paul is saying receive him. 
as, as you would receive me. Paul wants Philemon to treat Onesimus in the way that prized Jesus treated Philemon in the first place. While Philemon is the one who wronged Christ, Jesus is the one who gave his life as a ransom for many. And so Paul now reminds Philemon of the blessing that he has been towards other Christians. Paul also wants to receive blessing also. Verse 20. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. And there's that word again, refresh. In verse 7, Paul says, you are the one who refreshes the soul of other believers, of other saints. Now you, brother, refresh my heart in Christ. Verse 21, confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I'll be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you, and so do Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. We do not know exactly what happened next. But I'm sure after reading these, Philemon looks up and sees Onesimus and Tychicus, his family all around and welcomes him. Not to his old bedroom, servant's room, but to the guest room. That's how he would receive Paul. Into the guest room. Some suggest that church history, in church history, that there was a man so-called Onesimus who was one of the early church leaders. Could it be this man? I wouldn't be surprised. The gospel changes lives. The gospel transforms relationships for the glory of God. I know a real life story of a husband and wife whose relationship was changed for the glory of God. Many years ago, the husband went off for a trip, a work trip. A few weeks into his trip, while he was yet away in his absence, his wife was blinded by sin and became involved in an adulterous relationship with someone else. A couple of days after his, her husband's return, she couldn't bear it any longer. The other man pleaded, just, just let it pass, it, it, it'll be okay. We can just keep it our secret. She could bear it no longer. The sense of guilt was crushing. The burden of sin was unbearable. She had to confess. She had to come clean. When she confessed, the husband felt like dying. Confused, distraught, 
Overwhelmed by the revelation, he entered into a period of depression of soul. He had the right to end the relationship there and then. But then he pondered. She confessed. I didn't hear this by hearsay. She's owned up. She's come to me and she's told me. She's revealed to me what she had hidden. What was going on behind closed doors. She's clearly broken. She's asking for forgiveness. And so he adds. How am I not going to extend forgiveness to her who has wronged me? If I have been forgiven by my Lord and Savior whom I have wronged. Many years have now passed and they are still together. They are being useful for the kingdom of Christ together, even today. I'd like you to do something this morning. When you get home, I'd like you to find a piece of paper and a pen. And I want you to write that something down. Maybe you can ch- take the church bulletin and write on, on the white section there. I want you to think carefully and prayerfully this morning about those around you. Have you fallen out with anyone around you? Has anyone done you wrong? Maybe stolen anything? Caused you grief? Maybe mistreated you? I want you to take that piece of paper and I want you to write the name. Write the name down. Maybe they're not here this morning. Maybe someone whom you knew from the past. Someone who's hurt you. Just write his or her name down. Maybe it is not just one person. Maybe it's a group of people. Maybe it's a family or your employer or former employee, just just write their names down. I'd like you to read through the Gospels. Open up the scripture, maybe in Matthew or Mark or Luke or John, and just read through the Gospel. And as you read, look at the beauty of Christ and the good news of salvation and what He has done for you, that He has forgiven you, that He has loved you, and that He's extended the cords of His love towards you. And praise and worship the Lord for His wondrous grace that has saved you. And you've been able to sing this morning, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. And pray for the person that is on that that note. Pray for those names. And do what you know you ought to do. Go. Display the glory of God in the midst of your relationships. Brothers and sisters, be reconciled to God. Be reconciled with others. Amen. Amen.